Good afternoon. I don't know what the uh, feedback loop was there, but anyway. Um, thank you very much for coming along today. This is, a, I hope, an interesting track for you, because I'd view this as being, if you like, the show me the money track. This is about enablement, and just as you as AWS partners are enabling customers to do some pretty complex transformation at short, you know, fast rate of knots, we're hoping to do what we can to help you with our enablement work. So my name's John Enoch, and my colleague Grant Irons will be doing this presentation together. And the first part is about the market and how you might help your customers to perhaps structure the way in which they think about moving forwards. So a bit of background on myself. I run what we call cloud economics in EMEA. And before that, I used to work for two of the big four. So I worked for uh, PwC Consulting and Global Risk Management. And I also worked for Deloitte in Technology Risk. And in the middle, I started, I made the huge mistake of starting my own business. And whilst it was very interesting, and I have a patent on a cool recording technology as a result, um, it, was, uh, it, it was not the, you know, life on the tropical island afterwards, but never mind. Um, perhaps more interestingly, as I said, I think I've been on kind of the same space that you are, working with IT, large IT companies as a third party with customers. But perhaps more interestingly, um, on my way into the US, um, I got singled out by TSA. And I like to think it was random. And they asked me to empty my pockets and when I emptied my pockets, I found this. So my, my four-year-old daughter had decided that I needed to come to Vegas with one of her Queen Elsa gloves. So perhaps her view of me going on stage in Vegas was a bit more flamboyant than this. Don't know. <laughs> so this is about starting out with the, the partner network. It has two parts. You can see that within the agenda. So you might be wondering, why is something about enablement got risk and decision-making in it? Well, think about it. It's very simple. If your customers are making decisions and moving ahead, you're making money. If your customers are pondering risk and thinking about downside and all the different permutations of outcomes that may or may not happen, you're not making money. So the challenge is how can we bridge between inertia and action? And inertia comes with a cost. So this is why we're viewing this as being risk and decision-making. We're having a view of the journey to cloud as not just being based on facts, but being based on perceptions of risk and how fast organizations can come together to make things happen. So first of all, something about the opportunity. What is it that you're looking at as a partner community with cloud? And who makes the money? Well, here's an interesting stat. I got this from a very good survey, and you can see the uh, reference at the bottom, that 68% of senior finance executives agree that a move to cloud, or at least hybrid, is inevitable. Now, first of all, hybrid. Hybrid is a phased transition. It is a way of looking at the journey. This is obviously a big number, 
and it's validated by this uh, report from IDC and a further one from Gartner. And there are many, many more. We all know the cloud opportunity is huge. And I encourage you to think of it in terms of early days of the internet. And maybe we're currently at the equivalent of maybe 95 and 96. Now, another interesting thing about this 68%. So this is saying that, um, what was it? 32% of CFOs still live in the 1950s. I wonder what's going to happen to their companies, just like what happened to companies that didn't embrace the internet. So who's going to make the money? Well, the answer is you are. AWS is an enabler. We're very happy with what we do. But if we look back at whether it's large SAP implementations or outsourcing or whatever, it's always the partner community that makes maybe the 80% 90% and the enablers that make the smaller amount. So we're very much a, you know, at scale, but part of an ecosystem. So if we go back to this very well-known slide from Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm, 1991, I think it's great because history repeats itself. Early days of the internet, let's think about it. So we've now had innovators come on. We have been so blessed to have Netflix, Airbnb, Ancestry, all these wonderful new companies which are not saddled with legacy, coming on and using cloud and being spectacularly successful. And if we have a look at some, uh, uh, some reports, I saw a very interesting one from PwC looking at the uh, valuation per employee between an old world company and a cloud-based company, and it's quite staggering, I suggest you have a look. They've been good. Then we've gone to the early adopters, we've gone to these fantastic organizations that are able to execute change at scale and at speed, like Enil, Capital One, General Electric, there's a long list now. And you'll notice if you look at the utility curve at the top right, that that first step of uh, Jeffrey Moore's bump are risk-seeking. They are looking for upside. They are enthusiasts. But as you go into the, the big opportunity, that early majority, you're looking at people who are saddled with huge amounts of complexity, a lot of risk, and they are genuinely concerned for very good reason. They need help. There's no way AWS can help these on their own. There must be support from partners. Now, to put this in perspective, I have a, uh, a story for you, okay, for this, put this graph in perspective. Who in the audience, other than me, is old enough to remember the world of telex? Honesty here, come on. Oh, come on, I can't be the only dinosaur in the room. Who else? Anyone? Great, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, 50 bits per second, a teenager's worst nightmare. I used to work for a company that used to provide telex services for banks, and it was computer-based telex. It wasn't, you know, 50 bits, it was quite fast. And they had a $200 million a year revenue. They were the world leader. I used to work in Vietnam at that time. I was. Uh, their country manager. One day, a group of very clever technical people went to the CEO and said, what about the internet? What are we going to do about the internet? We've got all these banks as customers. Why don't we build an IP backbone, connect the banks to, them, to it, and make sure that we can evolve our business model with the technology? Now, in hindsight, that sounds like a really good idea, doesn't it? 
Now the CEO, who was very intelligent, very good guy, said no. And his reason was, no bank will ever connect to the internet. He had just condemned his company to a three-year death spiral. He had made a decision, and that decision had then put a limitation around the lifespan of his business. Now, he was subject to bias on overconfidence in his data. He was also subject to a huge attachment and vested interest in the sunk cost that he had in those telex switches. He couldn't see it. Also, he was anchored in the fallacy of um, small numbers. He was thinking 200 million is pretty big, but he'd built an IP backbone back in 2000 and, sorry, 1995-96. It probably would have been a lot bigger by now. So didn't work. So I think, uh, first of all, if I'm very pleased to see there's one gentleman there who is also probably more suited to Florida than Vegas. And uh, thank you very much for admitting it. Um, but the telex opportunity at that time, very similar to what we see with cloud. And I will go to go as far as to say, I'm not very worried about the late majority and the laggards, because I'm personally of the view that they won't be there. They're a mergers and acquisition opportunity. Might be wrong, but that's my personal view. So how can we actually help these organizations to make the change required in the time that they have available? Because they have a window of opportunity. How do we do it? Here's one thing which I like to do with customers, and I suggest you try it as well. Draw a line on a board, and at one end you put big IT footprint, small cloud footprint, and the other end you put big cloud footprint, small, small on-premise IT footprint. And you ask, where are you today? Maybe they put a line towards the, you know, the big IT bit. Next question, where are you gonna be in three years time? Maybe they move the line towards the middle a bit. Last question, where do you need to be in three years time? Now let's think about that. Businesses exist and survive when they're able to innovate and generate new products and services faster than competition. If you're in a disruptive market, you need to be very disruptive and you need to be able to change rapidly, more rapidly than your competition. And if you can't, you will cease to exist, just like I mentioned before with that example of my former employer. So if you get them to think, um, am I gonna be the next blockbuster or the next Netflix? It puts a different perspective. It's like uh, the Matrix film with the red pill and the blue pill. You as the partners are asking them, like a Morpheus character, which pill are you gonna take? Are you gonna go for the superpowers? Are you gonna go for the um, ability to generate innovation faster than anybody else? Or are you gonna stay where you are? So with this tool, the output that you get as a partner is you're able to get your customer to define the scope of change they're comfortable with and hopefully extend that to what they need to do if they're gonna remain competitive. That gives you a huge advantage in getting to the center of their decision process. It also means that you've now helped them to define what they want and why it's important to them. It's a very simple way of looking at it. Now, the next slide is about what are we looking at as an opportunity when we're helping customers along this journey when they've given us their initial scope. So mapping back to the uh, crossing the chasm. At the early stages of this um, cloud adoption, and still ongoing, we, we see a lot of innovators putting digital workloads and DevOps on cloud. 
Now, these are the three conversations which I will normally have within AWS around what customers want to do. Just three. More and more, we're getting, let's go and move all this legacy stuff, this complicated stuff, into cloud. Fantastic opportunity. Lots of consulting firms are making a lot of money out of it. And a lot of ISVs are providing some fantastic data to justify the business case for doing so. And the point is that the big opportunity in cloud is probably data. Maybe the other two are the small stuff. Think about it. What happens when you put data near users, near compute, and next to a whole load of tools that have come out of the collective community of AWS customers? Because we don't have a lot of good ideas. What we do is we let our customers give us over 90% of the things that they want developed, and then we go and put these things together as our roadmap. So we've got a, an innovation team of customers. Now, when you've got that, you're able to do things. So if you've got that data on AWS with the compute, with the users nearby, you can reduce your cost per query. You can get to insight much faster. If you're getting to insight faster, you're able to make competitive steps successful. So as an example, if you had, let's say, five data scientists and you gave them the same set of data, they would probably give you different perspectives on what that data says, maybe completely different answers, and that's good. If you're making that data easily accessible because it's on cloud, that's possible. Otherwise, it might not be. So the big opportunity, long-term opportunity, the wallet of the customer over time, is data. So just to illustrate that, here's an example. So we'll quite often talk about the efficiency gains of cloud, and we'll, ref we'll reference IT professionals. But let's look beyond IT to the business. Finance relies on IT systems for things like transaction processing. Well, here's a nice quote that's saying that 52% of finance professionals believe they spend too much time on that. IT is not enabling their job to be done as quickly as they want. So they're not getting the time to insight. And on the, uh, in the orange, companies that don't have the data with which to make good judgment, so they have to use gut feel, get things right, 22% of the time, pretty bad. Those who have a better balance of data and the judgment, 50% probably more. So time to insight, data is the key. So how do we now help our customers to go through a process where they are looking at their organization and what they need to do to engage third parties to help them drive change? Well, here's a very simple way of looking at it. Four questions. Now, it's very easy for us, for you perhaps, to jump straight into the how question. How can we help you move to cloud? Let's talk about these workloads, let's talk about this discovery, all the rest of it. Because we know that's a lot of high value work in terms of software and consulting. Great. But if you do it, or you try to go there before the organization is sufficiently ready for change, you'll probably find decision paralysis. So nothing's gonna happen except lots of meetings. So to prevent that, we need to be a little bit more vested in the early stages of the decision. So first of all, 
why change platform? Usually that should be the value of change exceeds the cost. It might even be the status quo is unsustainable. There has to be a driver for why. That's getting people to actually tell you what their objectives are in the outcome. And then you've got what are the options available? Cloud hybrid on-premise, what's the right way forward? How do you eliminate options? And then we've got when. Now when is a time frame. We're looking at a window of opportunity. It might just be that inertia is the most dangerous thing that they could have. There's actually a phrase from KPMG where they refer to the inertia tax. So avoiding the inertia tax should be one of the most valuable things you can help a company do. So if you can help them with why and what, you're helping them with a strategic view of their change problem. If you're helping them with what and when, you're starting to look far more tactically. And if you've done that and you've got agreement, you're now able to get the organization to focus on how to solve the problems, how to take things forward. So I believe that if you take your customer through these four steps, and we'll go into this a little later, you're gonna find that the time to money is much shorter. And you'll notice at the bottom, we have a whole load of AWS tools that we provide to our partners and to our customers to help them cycle through this decision path successfully and perhaps quicker than they might otherwise have done so. Now, just to illustrate why this structured approach is so useful, first of all, I would like to ask you to think of how much of your time do you waste because you're talking to people who either cannot or will not agree on what they need to do and why? I bet it's a lot. I certainly find it. And here's an example. So AWS has developed a little tool, and we call it the um, uh, Cloud Decision readiness tool or something of that description. And we ask our customers 20 yes or no questions around how they work on leadership, on credibility of the data that they have their business planning, the degree of consensus in the teams, how accountable, how much ownership do people take, whether there are drivers, whether it's urgency because they have to or important because they have good planning, and what confidence they have in their execution capability. This is taking an average of about 40 AWS customers in Europe who have completed this with us. And like I say, it's very subjective. But it's a very similar pattern. I don't know about the US, but here's the story that I read from this. Leadership is very aware that the move towards cloud is inevitable. It's happening, and they don't want to get left behind. Leadership minus one or two are in a state of debate. There is no consensus. There might even be a lot of fears. And we have to treat all fears and risk issues as serious and legitimate and hopefully something that we can help those people get through. But whilst they're in a state of fear, they're not taking action. They're doing risk management, which means they're looking at process, documentation. How can they look at their overall impact across multiple scenarios that may or may not happen? So, Nothing's going on. We're not able to get the data required for business planning. Because that cloud decision is competing with numerous other decisions that are important in the business, you then have people not taking ownership. They're going to the more urgent things. And that means that when you get to the confidence level, we have a big issue. So I hear that if you want to get a uh, maybe a very good Linux engineer and get that person trained up to be a cloud architect, you might be looking at nine months. So if you're just looking at risk and you're not taking any action, 
you're losing a pretty big opportunity to get ready. So one of the key things I believe partners can help with and bill for is helping organizations to understand where they are today and what they actually need to do to take things forward as teams. And as a third party, you're in a really good position to do that and charge for it, as I used to in previous life. So before answering that question of how, just as a bit of a recap, think about data, the need for better data that you can get, especially on cost and usage. I'm gonna mention some of the partners that we, uh, we work with in this way. And on the consulting side, how can you build that engagement beyond IT so that you're creating a layer of stakeholder management over the whole process? If all you do is, let's say, for example, TCO and cost analysis, you're just coming up with scenarios that someone may or may not accept. You need to bring people together as a group, and that's why we have this structure. So to monetize the cycle, we have to see it as a system. We have to think of it as being those four questions and it's not just about move to cloud. It's also move away from on-premise and maybe owning numerous data centers and looking at that gap between your book value and your market value and starting to think, is this becoming an auditor issue? Many, many facets of this, many areas in which as partners you could build. And you'll only get to that if you dig into the what, why, and when questions rather than the how. So I think when you focus on those three, you're getting more to the executive level where you can provide support around decision analysis. So multi-criteria decision analysis, standard stuff, been around since 1947, mainly, um, you know, mainly used in government and engineering, very, very common. We use this, we really recommend it. So we'll go into some of the things that we provide as support from AWS and then some of the companies that we have supported as our partners. So first of all, recommend that you look at cloud adoption not as being strategy. Strategy tends to be a dirty word these days. I would view it as being risk and due diligence. Several reasons for that. First of all, the Nobel laureate and uh, pioneer of behavioral economics, Daniel Kahneman from Israel, had the insight that people are far more likely to make a decision to avoid a loss than they are to make a gain. So if you phrase things, if you, you know, go with risk first, opportunity will come. So what we've learned from our customers is these are the things that where they're successful in driving cloud forward at scale with lots of complexity in a fast state of, you know, knots, these are the things that they look at. So it makes sense, I think. You start off with what is it we're trying to do and why? And then you move to can we all agree that this is what we want to do and why? What's important in an outcome? We all got to agreement. Only then do we move to cost and benefit analysis of what we've all agreed. And then last of all, can we actually communicate why this action that we're recommending from this business planning process makes sense, and probably why it makes sense to a non-technical person. I actually used to have a, a line of service when I was in consulting in helping IT people to translate their plans and their thoughts into a language that people in risk and finance and legal 
would find acceptable. So structure is really helpful. Another thing, we have a tool I mentioned, this, you know, cloud decision readiness. Here's the output. So what you get is a report. It's like a due diligence report. It's like an online Myers-Briggs test. We're, we're putting this online early next year. Currently it's Excel. We're going to make this available to our customers and most likely our partners. What it will do for you is it will mean your customers will be able to define how they see their business, where their challenges are, what's important to them, and it will give them some advice as to what they can do as next steps. That gives you a framing of a conversation around change, and it speeds up the process through which you'll get to a, an outcome that um, is hopefully a decision to take action. Another thing that we do a lot of is TCO analysis. I actually like to look at it as tipping point analysis. We're looking at what is the tipping point at which a move to cloud makes economic sense. I'll show you how, how we could look at this. So we'll start off with, we're gonna compare buying a load of boxes against AWS on 24 seven, lights on, nobody home, all right, on demand, 10 times more expensive than buying the boxes. So cloud, insane. Then we start asking some questions. Have you got an IT team? Yes, you do, and we want to keep them. We just want them to be doing more productive things than racking and stacking boxes and updating stuff. So the red line of on-premise goes up. Have you got support and maintenance on those boxes? Have you got a procurement and planning cycle? What about insurance? You have an asset, you have a data center. There's going to be catastrophic risk and business interruption insurance. It's also going to be on AWS side, a bit of inflation around non-EC2 like people. So that's going to go up. Now what if we add in installation facilities, charges, electricity cooling, data centers, and we're also going to add in applications and servers that support applications and servers that support the business. That's usually about 30% of the cost of on-premise, funnily enough. And we've also got capacity planning headroom, whether it's DR sites, backup, overall habit of building. People tend to build far more than they use. And they'll typically, if they're managing risk, they'll stick in a headroom of you know, maybe 20, 50% over peak. That all has a cost, so we add that in. Now we're gonna look at, let's say, cost of money and value of an investment. So internal rate of return. So you're putting more up front with uh, on-premise. And now we're gonna have a look at Moore's Law following mapping. So mapping. Currently, we've got AWS on 24-7. That's not how you use cloud. We have some examples of companies who do optimization, and we're gonna come up with them very shortly. And to use those optimization tools, there has to be some consulting advice. So if we put in, say, 40% utilization for on-premise, which is pretty high to be honest, the graph flips. We've got the tipping point. Now what else? Well, we've got some migration costs on AWS. We've also got perhaps an impact of Moore's Law, which for us is expressed in terms of more and larger instances where you're getting more compute for your money. Now what else? What if we then look at reserved instances where you're saying we have a certain amount of capacity we're always using, we're gonna reserve it. We're gonna get a discount for that, maybe up to 70%. Now we're down to about, you know, 
on-premise is, I think, about twice as expensive as AWS. What about Spot? What if you were to use our capacity that you bid for that might move around based on the value of your bid, but you're going to get it at market rate? You might be paying pennies on the dollar. So you see, the TCO is entirely dependent on what you include and how you view cost, but also the decisions you make around optimization. And I'm now going to go on to a few examples of companies which we've worked with very successfully in helping our customers deal with things like change and optimization. And we're hoping that you'll see those companies have done something new and different because they've worked with AWS. Maybe this is something that we could do with all of you. So first of all, I'd like to bring up Deloitte, a former employer of mine. Deloitte has partnered with AWS. We've shared a lot of um, IP with them around TCO and migration planning and other things. And they've shared some IP with us. And they've gone and put together a fantastic tool to enable senior executives and their teams to look at the cloud opportunity and what it means to them. Not just so that they can look at something binary like a TCO, for example, but also to look at the planning and risk implications. This is something that's getting launched, I think, actually at reInvent. It's very good. And there it is in their own words. Then we move on to Red Oak Consulting, small consulting firm in the UK, very specialized on government, high performance computing, and risk. We've worked with them to develop tools around consensus, risk, and additive utility. And through that, they've been able to engage their customers in a way that's got them far more clear about what they want to achieve and why, so they can make decisions faster. I'd like to go to CloudZone. Now, this is a company we've worked with a lot. CloudZone take our cloud health data, and they do something magical with it. They actually use it to show customers how to optimize their usage of cloud, so it's not a case of lights on, nobody home, keep on billing. They're enabling the customer to make intelligent decisions around the usage. I'll go on to another one, CloudChomp. Very similar, CloudChomp will take in cost and usage data, and they will put it in a format that makes it accessible and understandable to a customer who can then action that information, and probably they will need consulting help to follow through with that. Another one, data again, it's always data, cloudability. Cloudability, again, they specialize in cost and usage profiling. We work with them a lot in optimization, and they've put together a bit of an ecosystem of partners, which I'm very pleased with. Part of that ecosystem, TSO Logic, they focus on discovery and planning, and they can take things to that sort of application level, what do we do next? Now, all of these partners come with a requirement for a third party to help the customer action the data. So I don't think we have any sort of standalone Lone Ranger kind of uh, partners out there. It very much is a community. So before handing over to Grant, a few takeaways. Decision inertia is probably the most damaging thing for companies. No decision is a decision. And decisions are taken by people, and people make decisions based on bias. We are not as rational as we like to think we are. So unless you have a structure through which you can flush out bias 
and you can get people to agreement on what they want to do and why, you'll find that decisions continue to drag out and you have that inertia tax coming into play. So the poor decision, the non-decision, stand between you and revenues. What we have is a lot of decision tools we put together and we've tried and tested them with customers. We like to work with our partners to share information, to share IP, and build new stuff. We're very open. So I'm now going to hand over to, uh, um, to Grant to talk about how AWS can help partners with tangible things around enablement. And we'll be very happy to take questions at the end. Thank you. I have really, oh, there we go. So again, thank you, John. It's always interesting to see um, the successes that customers are, or partners are having with customers and the opportunity that's out there for our partners. I want to talk a little bit about the practical things that you have to do and the way we support you as APN partners or future APN partners. Really quick, show of hands, who is already a member of the AWS Partner Network? Okay, good, and then there, I, some of you who aren't, who will be soon, I hope. Um, so let's talk about what the APN is. The AWS Partner Network is, our main goal is to help you grow your business and help you solve your customers' business problems. We'll start at the beginning. Whenever you register for the APN, the first thing you have to do is decide if you're gonna be a consulting partner or a technology partner. Consulting partners are professional services firms that design, build, or migrate applications to AWS. And technology partners are um, software vendors that have an application that sits on AWS or integrates with AWS. You may think, well, I see a little bit of my business in both uh, distinctions, and that's fine. What you have to do is you have to go with the part of the organ or part of the partner program that best fits your business. And why does it matter to you? Well, the AWS Partner Network, the two different parts are designed based on the benefits that you'll receive. So there's specialty benefits for consulting partners and certain benefits for technology partners. And if you don't know which one you fit into, let us know. We're happy to help you. And the benefits I was talking about are given out based on the tier you're part of. Starting with standard and advanced for technology partners, and if you're a consulting partner, you also have the opportunity, be, opportunity to be a premier tier. Some of you may think, well, I really don't know if I want or even need to be at standard or advanced or premier, and some of you may not. You'll just choose the tier based on your business goals, the customer problems that you want to solve, and then you'll create a plan to reach that tier. And again, we're here to help you do that. So let's dig into your journey with the APN. Your journey is all about solving your customers' business problems and growing your business. Starting with build and develop, you're gonna build your business and develop your practice on AWS. Differentiate yourselves in the market. What do you do really well that other, your competitors don't do? 
Once you have success, you have a good story, then you want to get that story out through marketing. You'll market your story, you'll get new customers, and then you'll grow. And there are multiple ways to grow. And what I want to do is I want to talk about each of those areas of um, the, the uh, journey. The first step in your journey is build and develop. Excuse me. And the first step of building is laying a solid foundation. And what we have found is that the way to lay a solid foundation is to build a business plan. Figure out what you want to do, how you want to get there, what are the steps that you have to take, and more, most importantly, who's responsible for those steps. Once you've built your business plan, then you want to grow that. One way to get the resources to grow is on Partner Central. And Partner Central is our partner portal. As an APN partner, you have access to training, you have access to marketing, you have access to uh, register and, and uh, track your leads, all in Partner Central. How-to videos, marketing content, all in Partner Central. Training is one of the things that you have access to, and it's one of the most important parts of being an APN partner. The training you have access to, broken down into three areas. There's partner-specific training, starting with the basics, like business professional and technical professional. Those are e-learning courses where individuals learn how to sell AWS. TCO and cloud economics is the introduction to what John was talking about. Again, e-learning. All, all this, by the way, is free. We have deeper dive training, which we call solution trainings for partners, and that takes e-learning and instructor-led training formats. And that's deep dives into things such as big data and analytics, AWS for Windows, and again, it's free. As a member of the AWS Partner Network, you also have access to AWS training at a discount. And AWS training is the more technical solution level training that you as a partner will need in order to be successful with your customers. And the third area of training is certification. AWS certification is recognized as a leader in the industry. Currently, we have seven certifications, three associate level, two professional level, and two specialty certifications. The specialty certifications are advanced networking and big data. Coming soon, we have a new certification called the uh, Cloud Practitioner Exam. And that's for business professionals, such as marketing and legal, sales. And that covers how the cloud works, billing, pricing, things that are more business focused. And that's coming soon. Next, we want to talk about differentiate. What do you do really well? My grandfather used to always say, you don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. You don't want to be good at a lot of things, but not great at anything. It's the same in business. Differentiation programs help you differentiate in your business. Let's take a closer look. The three key differentiation programs I want to talk about today, and by no means are this all of them, these are just the three we have time for, are service delivery, the AWS competency program, and the AWS MSP program. And before we got started, I was talking to some folks in the audience, and it was interesting to hear what you were looking for, and differentiation is one, one thing that I heard a lot about. 
because everyone wants to be able to say, I'm really good at this, and these programs help. Let's start with service delivery. So do you have experience in customer wins on AWS services? Are you doing really cool things with AWS Lambda or AWS Aurora? And are you trying to figure out how to talk to your customers about what you're good at with regards to services? Well, last year at reInvent, we launched a program that solves that exact problem, and it's the service delivery program. It helps highlight your expertise in AWS services. Next is competency. Competency is, is solution level differentiation. Where services, service delivery is for AWS services, competency is around specialized solution areas. And again, it enables you to demonstrate your expertise in a certain solution. So think migration, IoT, things that are higher level solutions. We're aligned with key uh, verticals, um, financial services, healthcare, key solutions like IoT, migration, DevOps, and then also key workloads like Microsoft and SAP. There are ways for you to distinguish yourselves in AWS services, or excuse me, uh, AWS solutions. And I also know that some of you out here are traditional MSPs or have been traditional MSPs and you probably understand the value that an MSP provides to customers. You also understand how you're, through your MSP practice, you're able to get deeper relationship with your customers. MSP in the cloud is a little bit different than a traditional MSP. And the AWS MSP program recognizes the evolution of managed services from traditional to the cloud. If you choose to be an AWS MSP, you go through a third-party audit because we want our MSPs to have the credibility and reliability and validity that they need to be successful with our customers, but also because we tell our customers to go with these MSPs. And it emphasizes delivering quality customer solutions and experiences. So each of the differentiation programs I've just highlighted has their own unique benefits. Here you can see a list of general benefits for being part of one of the differentiation programs. So being part of the program differentiates our top validated products, practices, and solutions to our customers. Whenever our customers are looking for specific service area help or specific solution area help, Partners with these differentiation program designations or competencies are our go-to. Also, whenever you have any of these, or part of any of these differentiation programs, you're eligible for uh, customer opportunities from us. You're eligible for specific M uh, MDF that's assigned to these differentiation programs. We do co-marketing with partners who are part of these differentiation programs. And we do under NDA um, briefings and roadmaps because we want you to know what we're up to so you can help us design our programs and design our services. Like John was talking about earlier, 90% of what we do comes from our customers and you are a key conduit to our customers.
So you've done the hard work of building and developing. You've differentiated yourself. You've had customer success. You have really good stories, and now you want to market. You want to find new customers. One of the key things that we provide to you as a part of marketing is Marketing Central. Sorry about that. There we go. Um, Marketing Central is a tool on Partner Central that you can use to market to your customers. They're pre-built resources that you add your messaging to and then you do marketing. And it includes things like emails with associated landing pages, social media posts, copy blocks, all types of resources around the central theme that you enter in your message and you market to your customers. And it's all free. Partner Solutions Finder is the public face of our partner program to our customers. When a customer wants to find a partner to help them with something like, I don't know, IoT. A customer needs, a help, needs help with an IoT solution in Austin, Texas. They can go to Partner Solutions Finder, type in IoT Austin, and a partner who has the IoT competency, who has an office in Austin, will come up, and a customer will be able to find you that way. And one of the, the last benefits under marketing I want to talk about is funding. We know it's expensive to build a business, and we want to help you with that. And we have three key pillars of marketing. For standard tier and above partners, it's training is one. Like I said earlier, there's discounted training for APN partners. We also offer proof of concept funding. So if you have a customer who wants, to, wants a, your help with a solution, but they want you to prove that you can do it on AWS, We'll help you pay for it so you can show to your customer that it's successful. And for advanced tier and above partners, we also offer marketing development funds. So you can, again, use our resources to market to your customers and grow your business. And grow. There's a lot of ways to grow your business. The one that comes to mind, probably first it does for me anyway, is to grow your customer base. How do you get new customers? Have you had a solution that's been successful? Take that solution and expand it to other customers. Maybe you've had success in a certain vertical. You've built a, a database solution for, um, for um, manufacturing. How do you take that database solution for manufacturing and move into a neighboring vertical, like distribution? What about if you want to grow your customer base through expanding an AWS solution. So you are a DevOps competency partner, and the next, next logical step would be to be an MSP partner. And the cycle continues. You want to build and develop, differentiate, market, and grow. So thank you for your time. There we go, thank you for your time. We really wanna be a part of your growth in APN. We have a team of experts on APN. We have business professionals from um, partner development managers, partner success managers on the business side. We have partner solutions architects on the technical side. 
We have program teams, we have the training team, we have the funding team, all dedicated to your success. John and I will be around to ask, actually we have a couple minutes so we can answer questions now and then we'll also be around afterwards. So what questions do you have? Yes, and we're gonna get a microphone to you really quick. Right here. Thanks, that was really informative. Uh, I have two questions, one for each of you, I think. Okay. Um, first, it was John. In your presentation, you, um, and what I've seen a lot this week so far are case studies about reduced cost. Um, and in my experience, reduced cost is uh, a little bit compelling, but what I, what I haven't heard yet, like reduced cost of migration, reduced cost of ongoing IT, OpEx, but what I haven't seen are stories about either increased revenue or about what bad thing happens if you don't make a change now. So I'd like to hear any of your experiences pertinent to the AWS you know, customer experience of where those stories have been brought. And then um, one of the, and then for Grant, um, one of the things I heard from the gentleman on the main stage earlier at the keynote was about the service catalog. Could you describe that? Well, taking the first question, you've highlighted actually a, if I was still in consulting, I would view what you've just highlighted as the golden nugget. You're talking about benefits realization. That is an under-addressed area which I hope you will start to address. So what we see is customers who produce their own scorecards and they use those scorecards internally where IT have um, gone to the business, got a list of things which are important, and then track continuous improvement over time. So IT looks good. And that's a very valuable thing. But what we're not seeing so much of is the, um, you know, other than the standard case studies that you can get off our website with, uh, you know, certain percentages saved, certain percent throughput increased, whatever. There is all of that sort of information out there but I think what you're really asking for is something which is very much more formalized that says, we got the money to do this, and the result was that. Money would be, we are seeing that within our customers, but we would love to see it far more from the consulting firms. Thank you. And for my part of the question, I don't know enough details to be able to answer it, so I'm gonna completely defer, but I would be happy to get you an answer if you'll give me your contact information. Other questions? Yes. So he asked about um, an organization that has, uh, or a company that has offices in 49 countries and the ability for each country to be able to manage certifications and accreditations and such through Partner Central. Yes, and do we have something to address that? We are constantly updating Partner Central and we have a roadmap for 2018. Um, and I don't know the details of the roadmap and um, I know that there are are some things on the roadmap to address your need. Is that vague enough? 
But yes, I, I, I understand, and that's, a, that's an issue that we realize and we're working on. Yeah. Yeah. You said that they, they share the admin account with one general email address and it's not a perfect solution and agreed and um, definitely something we're working on. Other questions? Right here. Okay. Hi. Thanks for a good presentation. My name is Anna. I'm from Sweden, so sorry. My, maybe my English is not so good. Mine isn't uh, either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, I do have a question. All these tools that you are mentioning regarding the economical tools or tools underpinning or supporting the four questions or the four um, uh, pillars that mm -hmm. you mentioned as a process to take a customer from unsecure to actually moving on. Are they available for partners as they are? Yes, they are. But with all tools, you need to have some support in using them. And we like to do training before we hand them over. So we'd be, we'd be delighted to do that. And if you, um, if you would like, I will be in Sweden uh, in mid-December and would be very happy to help. Would love to. Thank you. Yes. Wait for the mic. <laughs> Hello, my name is Hans Boye from Tech Data. Uh, we're a distributor for AWS, and I was also interested in the tools. So what we want to do, of course, is to work with all the partners we work with. Um, uh, can we be a, a trainer? Can you train the trainer, let's say, in this case, for us to have access to the tools and that we can provide it to all our partners? Sorry, could you repeat the question, please? Like, what do we do? Is that no, no? It's on the tools. It's just the tools. What the questions was before uh, on, on decision making, uh, yep. uh, readiness, etc. Um, uh, we, as a distributor for AWS, actually we work with many, many partners. Yeah. Um, so we would like to get access to the tools that yeah. we can also train the partners and, and 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 help them with it or do the service ourselves. So really, that's about scaling out to a network. And obviously, some of those tools will have a degree of sophistication that you would need to have training. And people in your network could get inputs, but not process them. So what we would do for that is separate out the tools which can go very much general and very simple from the tools that require a certain amount of uh, knowledge. But you could certainly do that if you gave us a, you know, a point for each person in each country who would be the specialist and that that person would then look after a certain number of resellers and they would provide input sheets for things like TCO and risk analysis. And we do this already. So we're very happy to support that. Hi, I'm from Canada, and I'm pretty sure you don't want to go from Sweden to Canada to come teach me this stuff. So will our local um, partner representative be able to teach us these tools? And if so, what specifically should I ask that person for? Okay. Um, what should you ask them for? First of all, they need to get a little bit of training, probably. And I, I've, I, I cover Europe. I don't cover North America. But I'm part of a team that does cover North America. And I would work with people in probably New York who could support you locally. And we have actually, so, you know, we have degrees of, you know, specialization from different areas. So um, I have a colleague in, uh, in New York who's uh, 
uh, first-hand experience um, running IT and banks and the rest of it, absolutely phenomenal. And he also has a background in decision analysis. So you would have a very good level of support in North America. So maybe we can pick that up afterwards because I'd love to arrange it. Any other questions? Okay, thank you very much for your time. Thank you.